A Walk Among the Stars, The Monsters, The Paranormal, and Supernatural. Join your tour guides, Justin and Josh, on this cryptic journey through life and beyond. What you may not know is you've been on this journey for a long time, and you finally arrived. Join us and our cult by subscribing to this podcast and giving us a generous five-star rating. With doing so, your soul will be set and the afterlife defined. Welcome to It's Cryptic Out There. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of It's Cryptic Out There podcast. I'm your host, Justin, alongside my co-host, Josh. What's up, everybody? Uh, Justin and I just did a two-hour interview, yep. um, which you guys are about to listen to. We just decided to do that first before we did an intro. Mm-hmm. Um, really crazy, so we're just going to, I guess, talk about it all. Yeah, we, we, we speak to Ron and Joe from... Wild, Wild and Weird, weird uh, West Virginia, and <laughs> they tell us some insane stuff that we never would have thought of when it comes to paranormal, supernatural. Like, you might be thinking when you listen to this podcast, like, oh, you know, I know that Bigfoot exists, pop culture, all that, but like, you're really going to know about Bigfoot. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you're going to know about Bigfoot after this. Yes. But not just that, like, there we talk a little paranormal, mm-hmm. we talk... Uh, cryptic we talk you know all sorts of stuff yeah you know how there might be two bigfoot interdimensional different stuff yeah radiations involved aliens aliens (laughs) guys this is a wild wild and weird wild weird conversation yes so um we'll just let you you know listen to it now yeah yeah and uh love to hear your thoughts yeah yeah Here with the two from West Virginia, <laughs> wild and weird. Um, if you both would introduce yourselves and explain what really is wild and weird West Virginia. Um, well, I'm Joe, and uh, the other guy over here, that's Ron. <laughs> and we we met over 20 years ago at this point. Wow. Oh jeez, has it been that long? It has been that long. Uh, it, it's horrible. <laughs> we, um, it started off. 
really like the whole story is weird and it's full of um just happenstance that that seems to be guided i guess um good term. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good term because ron was uh managing a pet store for the longest time um and when i was when i was younger i started going in there and buying fish and then he got me into doing salt water and then a few years later i wound up just kind of going in there helping out and working around there every now and then after i'd get off work from my other job just for fun mm-hmm. and we would share stories back and forth about stuff and then we started a completely different group that <laughs> had nothing to do with this uh that was a reptile breeding business oh wow and yep. then the that that ran its course we're still doing it today yeah um, and it's kind of now blended in with bald and weird um and oh they're cryptids so there's that yeah, yeah it fits yeah. Yeah. you know it fits so yeah, we work with crested geckos a lot and uh, some other geckos from New Caledonia. And crested geckos were once thought to be extinct until Whoa. they fell through a window during a storm. <laughs> and then they were discovered to be, like, you know, actually a, a sizable population on, on the island of New Caledonia and not extinct at all. Just really good at hiding. Wow. Interesting. That's <laughs> <And> awesome. <laughs> I did not yeah, expect they, they to hear no that. idea what these things looked like. Uh, yeah. Really... Uh, because they have tails, and the ones that they'd seen in the wild had no tails whatsoever. So they found some eggs, hatched these eggs, and lo and behold, they had tails. They, For the longest time, they thought they were just like these little frog butt things. But, yeah, and they even yeah, thought that not. they live-produced because they'd never found eggs from these guys either. Wow. The first ones in captivity started dropping eggs. They're like, uh, well. <laughs> that's amazing. That is. That's, that's so crazy. <laughs> that's, funny. So, that's funny you say that, you know, falling out of a window kind of throws in with everything that we talk about where it's something off the wall right you know yeah. an interest that you have just comes with a little bit of a cryptic background to it yeah yeah so then um we we ron and i both have had a very long-standing fascination with this the strange and unusual ron has been doing this stuff for nearly 35 years now wow and um I'll let him tell you about his side. And then mine was mostly a fascination with Bigfoot. Mm. And I, I I was aware of the whole UFO phenomena, obviously. Like, you can't not be. Uh, and I'm former military, and we were told not to report things if we did see stuff. Uh, wow. But the, uh, aside from that, you know, like, my, my fascination with Bigfoot, and then we started telling stories back and forth, and then the weirdness grew. And we were both artists and figured why not let's not let's not waste this let's do something with it and use it as an outreach yeah that's pretty much what happened uh i believe we actually had went to uh, a festival i think we went to mothman it was it was mothman we all went and together we had seen some of the art that were there and we wanted to do this for years and we we're just like you know we can do this we, yep. we have the means to do it now we have the show that we can take on the road i mean back then we were touring what 45 shows or something uh, the our biggest year. show schedule was 50 shows yeah it was ridiculous wow it was ridiculous and i was on the reptile side so like we were wow. on the road yeah. nonstop. yeah Dang. so we decided to take some uh some just some art with us and uh sit it on the table one day 
and people came up and they loved the art and they started telling us their stories and I was like man do I really want to go down this road again because honestly I, I walked away from this stuff uh, years ago you know I uh, have a very long history with the with I, I call it related phenomena because you know I kind of think it might be I don't know yet this is a like Joe said, it's a 30-some year mystery at this point. And I don't know where we figure out what's going on, but my whole thing started with the UFO sighting when I was, you know, back in the 70s, 75, 76. And uh, I got obsessed with uh, basically psychic phenomena, uh, anything to do with, um, you know, just trying to figure out the, the mysteries of the unexplained, I guess, you know. I started a ghost hunting group. I was Ghost Watch uh, a little bit later on. And... Uh, and then, you know, that's that's pretty much it. I walked away from, from a lot of it, and uh, and somehow I ended up back here. Right. <laughs> all roads return. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Right? It's really strange how it all works. It, it's And it's so tempting when someone tells you, you know, their story. You I mean, you get yeah. excited. Like, we oh, get yeah. excited all the time, yeah. like, in our, our Facebook group, uh, people commenting their, you know, sightings of whatever. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty awesome. And that's really how I grew up. Uh, everyone, my grandmother had paranormal or uh, some UFO sightings. My mom, you know, there was always something. Even my dad would tell me uh, he was worked in maintenance at a hospital for like thirty years, and he would tell me certain things. <laughs> yeah, so it's all stuff. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and he's a very quiet guy. And I know you're probably listening, Dad, and you need to let out some of those stories. Right. You don't know what, what he's got tucked away in there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's always just encaptured my life, and I know Justin as well, so to hear you guys talk about it, it's just great. Yeah. You know? I grew up watching, like, the craziest of horror movies. Like, I watched House of a Thousand Corpses when I was, like, five, <laughs> and it just grew on me, as you can see, and then... Uh, started getting into the paranormal stuff like i watched ghost hunters ghost adventures then we uh we started doing a uh, uh, paranormal investigations on a youtube channel went to st albans uh in radford virginia yeah you know where that is um experienced that we did some film projects we filmed at st albans yeah uh spent like 12 hours in there yeah it was, it was, it was pretty gnarly yeah uh but then I started the podcast going on two years ago, and uh, now Josh, he came on last year, beginning of last year, and we've been rocking it ever since. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And uh, yes, see, we were thrust back into the investigation stuff. Well, Ron was thrust in. I'd, I had done some stuff in the past, like as far as just going out and looking for things, um, or going out, because I, I used to be a minister as well, mm -hmm. and so I would be called to go do various things. And, um, it wasn't something that we were exactly planning on doing, because we were just wanting to bring, uh, yeah. our biggest thing was we wanted to represent these mysteries. We wanted to represent the folklore and the legends, um, based off of the witness sightings, mm -hmm. not off necessarily pop culture as much. We want to give true representation. And when we started doing that, people started telling their stories. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it drew us back in. Well, then it became about outreach. It did. It, 
You know, yeah. these people, it was great because they would come to the table and they'd tell us these stories and they would whisper those stories to where other people couldn't hear them at first. And you're not going to believe this. And Yeah, I'll totally believe it. Just, you know, go ahead, say it. And they would tell us stuff that they'd not told anyone for years. And, you know, it's... You know, it's it's like what do we call it, Joe? The weird magnets, right? Yep, weird I mean, magnet. It's like people they they attract to uh, to each other. They want to tell these stories, but they're scared to tell these stories. And we give them an open platform to do it. We've been building more and more platforms to let them do yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we always said we were trying to normalize the paranormal. You know, that's yeah. That was that was our goal, and uh, we're still you know still fighting at that. But we're we're getting there, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a lot similar to us, like people reaching out, uh, especially with like true. We do some true crime stories too. Um, we would get messages from random people that are like, "I, I was too scared at the time to tell the police, but uh, I'm willing to tell you." I'm like, okay. <laughs> and even the yeah. par- the paranormal, you know, I think just the fact like when our podcast wasn't as popular as it is now. I would still have people come up to me and be like, hey, I feel like I can tell you this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's yeah. nothing you can say to me, and it's kind of the view that we've taken on this is that I'm here to be open, mm-hmm. you know? I, I want what you say to be true, you know? Mm-hmm. And let's see how, let's see the facts, let's see what can lay out there and see what's what's possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, so what is the goal that you guys essentially have with this business oh with the business the business is kind of uh the goal of the business now has changed yes um the the business now fuels the investigations Mm -hmm. and it fuels the outreach because we we host large public gatherings um and a couple of them a year are free to the public that's awesome and they they turn out great and uh we we just make a spot where people can come and share their stories have a good time family friendly environment and and it's great and um and it keeps it to where i mean you guys know you're saying you're paranormal investigators in the past and and still do it it's not cheap no traveling laws and we we've found a way to where we can do this and take the burden off of us and our families. Well, we take it off of our, our uh, and I, I mean, I use the term loosely, but fans, because well, we, do. uh, we don't, um, you know, one of our things is we, we don't have Patreons. We don't, uh, you know, we just don't do that. And what we do is we have Etsy and we have, yep. you know, our sales at the tables and those things help fund and, uh, and pay for all those expeditions and all the equipment. Awesome. And the radio show. That's that's why our our podcast is free, and we don't have, we don't run ads. We don't run, um, we don't because we don't have to. Yeah, we we are generating enough passive uh, revenue that we're able to take that off of our fans and off of our listener base, and and it also is not we're not being touched by it either. Right. That's awesome. So it's it's a win win. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. What, what's the podcast called again, and when did that start? Welcome to Wild and Weird Radio, Wild and Weird West Virginia podcast. Nice. Formally established in March of 2020. 
<laughs> that was our, uh, our inaugural episode, yeah. and we became a weekly podcast after that. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I started podcasting in 2020, I guess, because the pandemic got bored. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the same, same with us. I remember uh, when people were looking uh, in 2020, when we were actually trying to find some cameras, mm. it was almost impossible because oh, everybody yeah. was doing the same thing. They, You know, microphones and cameras, they were just like, nope, you know. Perfect time to try a hobby. Yep. Absolutely. Well, the, luckily for Check us, the though, audience. we already had, the only thing we didn't have was the cameras, and the first year and a half of the podcast was just audio only. Um because we had had the gear for almost a year before we actually started the podcast because we we are over planners in what we do we want to make sure that we've got everything we need before we we put our feet down yeah and um so we when we finally launched it we were ready to go guns blazing but then we could not find cameras to save our lives <laughs> to, go, uh, to that were like good cameras like you know you can find decent uh, webcams, but you couldn't find like the really nice 1080p ones. Those were you, you just couldn't touch them. Yeah, yeah. yeah we use a Sony Handycam that's just right in front of us. We yeah. have one, but we're wanting to get multiple, but it costs. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So, do you have like any? particular cases that really uh, changed your life or sightings that changed your life to like start this? I think we both do. I think so, yeah. Ron, you want to go ahead and run first? I don't know which one it would be, you're, Joe. I yours think happened earlier than mine. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, pretty much mine set me on the path and that was the original sighting uh, which just, you know, couldn't get on my head and then later on uh, like I told you, you know, we, it moved on into more uh, research and and just almost um, it was almost an obsession for a while, trying to figure out uh, you know the whole psychic side of it all. And uh, I got very good at uh, the psychic side. I got a very uh, uh, a lot of knowledge. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, I learned a lot and uh, about out of body experiences, uh, you know, remote viewing, all that and. I had no idea I was doing this stuff around the same time these, you know, the government was doing it. That was that was something that would come out years later, and um, you know, there was there was always this element of uh, of a sort sort of contact of something. I mean, still don't know what that was, but something. And there's definitely uh, information that's there that you can tap into. Um, that was hard to digest, though, uh, for a while, because I could see where it was pointing to, these questions, you know, that were all coming up, the ancient astronaut theories and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was raised uh, in, in the church, and it kind of, con it was a big conflict with me at first, and with the belief system. But I'm, I'm a duality of, of this person. I've always been this duality. I can split myself into this uh, rational and spiritual side. And uh, I think that that's the balance, and I think that's where a lot of people miss it. But over time, I came to realize that we are looking at masks, and these are all words. These are all labels. This is all kind of the same stuff. And when I accepted that, I'm like, well, this, this makes too much sense. And now it's more terrifying than it was before, but uh, but let's go into it and 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 investigate a little further. 
And so, um, you know, after my hiatus, we got, I don't know, something just pulled us together. I'll be honest with you. It really, something just pulled us together. We were at a small event. Um, I remember at, uh, where were we at, Joe? We were at the Flatwoods event, weren't we? Well, we met. Uh, no, actually, actually, no, it wasn't that. We went to. Uh, oh, you're talking about Creature Weekend when we yeah. met Wayne yeah. and met yeah. everybody who's yeah. now like these creature, creature pivotal weekend. people in our life. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they accepted us like immediately, yeah. which was just, just crazy. Because and, up to that point, that was foreign to us. Yeah. Um, in in the reptile community, we it's had, had to like fight. Tooth and nail to the pet industry is cutthroat. There's no, yeah. there's no nicer way to say it. They're wow. they're cutthroat. They're they cutthroat. Wow. You have your fans, you have your friends, and then everyone else uh, is, is out up. Yeah, pretty much. And but over so here, it was for a concept. But when we yeah. went to uh, Creature Weekend, they embraced us, and even even in other portions of the uh, this paranormal encrypted community, we had tried to like dip our toes in in a few other places, and we were cold shouldered. But when we went here, it was mm. totally different. Okay, but, that's awesome. But yeah, we went there, and all these strange things kept happening. That this, you know, this uh, this trail started to form, and uh, you know, met uh, Stanton Friedman. Stanton Friedman, I, I got to ask him, you know, well, who should we listen to now that you're retiring? You know, and um, because he, that was his last shows, and we didn't know it was really going to be his real last shows, though. But yeah. uh, he said, uh, oh, um, Stan Gordon. And uh, he gave me some other name. And uh, I was like, oh, I know Stan Gordon. I, I know of Stan Gordon. I remember that name, you know. And a couple weeks later, we find out he's coming to uh, Flatwoods. Yeah. So we, we go to Flatwoods. And at Flatwoods, we meet all these other people. My very first interview ever on camera, um, interviewing anyone, was, was Stan Gordon. And we got, we had this massive talk. We're, we're good friends now. All of us are good friends. And, and mind you, he tried to get out of this interview. He was trying to have me interview him, and he was going to record it. And I was like, nope, this is a guy that you wanted to meet. You wanted to talk. You're going to sit down with him. You're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're, you know, long story short, we're pretty much best friends now. We, yeah. we trade information uh, from West Virginia to Pennsylvania, and we've been working together. And we do see some form of link to, uh, to some of this phenomena. Wow. And it's, it's interesting. Awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. And for me, uh, it started in 2001. Um, really, really started in 2001. Like I, I'd always had an interest in the strange and paranormal and whatnot. I grew up. Um, my grandmother was very Native American, and we went about life uh, in, in the woods. I was taught wood lore from the time I was really little, and going out foraging and things like that, and told what could be out there. Not. Not in a sense that it was like literal, but like just the storytelling aspect. Yeah. And then it came, it became literal to me in 2001. Um, I had what can only be described as a Bigfoot sighting and I saw three creatures and I observed them for uh, a brief period of time. And then after that, I was infatuated with the topic for years. Like uh, I was on back... I don't know how old you guys are. I'm old. Ron's old. Uh, we both remember Angel Fire, which was like one of the old internet servers back in the day. Okay. And um, I got on there and used the original Bigfoot forum. 
and I was going through there, just combing through, looking for anything. Because that's the only thing. You'd go on there and you'd ask Jeeves, what can I learn about Bigfoot? That's where it would take you. Oh, gee, <laughs> I just remembered that for a second. Right? So get back in town. So anyway, uh, I, I, I wound up there, dug through the databases, read a bunch of sighting reports, and, and it, it honestly it helped me out a lot because I couldn't go back to that same spot. And this was an area that I had hunted in years and years and years and years. And um, I couldn't go back to it for uh, a little over a year. And um, I waited to go back until after all the leaves and everything were off the trees and I could see everything very clearly. And uh, it, it did. It was it, the only thing it can sum up to is a Bigfoot sighting. And then from there, um, you know, like I said, I, the, the supernatural and spiritual stuff was it, it just accepted from a very young age because I, I, I was part of the church from the time I was a teenager and then became a minister. And then um, I didn't talk about my Bigfoot sighting or any of that stuff um, or, or the UFO sighting that I'd had in high school because in those circles, you just didn't talk about it. Same thing with the military. You did not talk about it. I had a top secret security clearance. I worked with uh, stealth tech, stealth technology, and because um, I was a fabricator, and uh, so I, I could not risk my job by saying anything weird. Um, and uh, any, any back backtracking to putting us on this course, um, we started taking reports from people with the art, and we we started. Uh, going down this path, and now we're uh, we're where we had never thought we would be. Because at that same event where you know Ron admission we met Stan, we also met our original co-host of Wild and Weird Radio and one of our best friends, and uh, he's passed away now. Oh, but we'd also met um, through him. We were able to meet Bob Gimlin, who was the Gimlin from the Patterson Gimlin film site, which is like you know the the Bigfoot film um we got in with him and because he was giving us the nod and saying those guys from west virginia are are okay that seal of approval from a legend suddenly like put us in a totally different position because not only were we getting the green light with people like bob we were getting the green light from people like stan gordon and stan friedman who had run and sit and spoke with for what seemed like forever that day <laughs> um, and Stan wasn't even about to break away from it there was other people walking up to the table and just standing there waiting he was talking to Ron awesome. um, that's so cool and then uh, we, you know we're, we're hanging out and well let's we, not forget Seth we, yeah I was going to say we're, we're hanging out with these people who were just starting out around the same time as we were like um, small the guys from Small Town Monsters Seth Breedlove he had produced, I think, three films at that point, and we, we got to be really good friends with him before we even really knew how into this stuff he really was. <laughs> and now we've been involved in multiple projects with him. He's, he's helped us out with different uh, events we've done. Um, he's the, the whole Small Town Monsters group is like family to us now. There's so many of these people that now are like friends and family to us that at one point we were just seeing him on TV and we're like oh man that 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 guy's really cool he's really smart just like Dave 
I mean, yeah. exactly like Dave Spinks, you know, but, r- bumped into him, and uh, you can't get him to shut up now. I mean, you know. Yeah, and, and like, you know, for Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo yeah. Faye, those yeah. those guys are both on my weekly call list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least Bobo is. I talked to Cliff when Cliff remembers to, to he needs something. Because <laughs> uh, we, we sell some stuff out at his museum. and um, But anytime we find data, because of these connections, now anytime when we find data and we record anything, we send it to them for peer review before we ever release it to the public. Yeah. Wow. Because wow. we have we have that group of peers, that group of, and they're not they're not just some ho hum group of peers. These are the most respected people in the the community, right. and and we send our stuff to them, and and they are the ones that give us the or the thumbs up. It's pretty yeah. surreal that you know people you looked up to now you're essentially working with them yeah yeah it's, it's weird, so man it's weird <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird. And, and not even that like um but it's, you can go to our own horn here for a second we wow. actually just won the bigfooter bigfoot research group of the year awesome wow um, that's awesome yeah. 2022 that's so cool and uh that was from the bigfoot forums um, which is the same Bigfoot forums that I went to way, way back in the, the old school days. Nice. See how it all loops around. Yeah. It all yeah. comes It's strange, time. man. Yeah. It's all strange. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, you know, like we're, we are people that other people are now reaching out to for the same kind of things that we were reaching out to other people for now. That's sick. That's awesome. Uh, so could you, I read the, uh, the article on the recent Bigfoot thermal uh, capturing. Would you be able to elaborate on what all happened with that? Well, we're gonna. Ron's gonna have to be the one sure. to talk exclusively about this until we get to the aftermath. Okay. Because the way this whole thing worked out was Ron was going out to document the outing because this is wild and weird. It's literally, all was done. He was he was there to document it for uh, just for marketing purposes and to put it up on our YouTube and stuff to show hey look come to Wild and Weird Con this is the kind of stuff you get to do blah 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 that that whole thing. I was back because I'm a classically trained chef, and when you do these workshops and stuff with us, I always cook food. Mm. So I was back at the camp preparing like about three gallons of chili <laughs> and hot dogs and then hot dog chili and small. I was cooking yeah. and. They're out finding Bigfoot. Oh, <laughs> so, we didn't intend to find Bigfoot, but uh, yeah, just, we hit the trail just so uh, after a, after a little briefing that uh, Hellbent Holler did. They brought some equipment down, and we we're going to take some people out into the woods. They had uh, about three or four little stations set up. You know, you had an infrared station, you had a listening station, then you had the uh, thermal station. Um, so at these stations. Do a little presentation, and uh, everybody will get to go and look through, you know, the equipment or listen through the equipment, and whatnot. And um, about a, a little over a dozen of us out there, uh, probably about fifteen or so, I'd say about a dozen yeah, there participants were, and, and there were uh, extras. Participants plus yeah. you. And, uh, so there's about eighteen people. So we were we were out there, yeah, plus the the crew. And uh, I was just out there shooting some video. I wanted some video. Uh, it'd been really cool to, to get this, and I'm thinking, you know, we can use this for some marketing, like Joe said. And um, I'm out there, and, and this guy, uh, he's, he's over listening on uh, 
I just happened happen to have everything running. You know, we were recording. And we hear him say, uh, there's some popping sounds coming from down in the valley. I'm like, ooh, popping sounds. That'll be cool. So we had just got our thermal. Literally just got our thermal. And um, fired it up. I'm like, well, I'm going to maybe catch something down in the valley. Maybe there's a, a possum or a deer or, or even a bear. You know, it'd be awesome. And uh, went down in there. And, and and what we see on the uh, tether, because it's tethered to the phone, everybody can, everybody's around us can gather around and see it is something. I mean, it, it was, at first we weren't too sure. At first we thought, well, wait a minute, someone's down there, you know, and, uh, and Jesse's standing there. She's like, "No one's down there. We, we scouted this area out. No one's getting down there." And we didn't really understand it at the time what she meant by that. But um, it was down in a, a ravine, and uh, later we would see the ravine and, and see how hard it was to get down in that ravine. No one was doing that at night. Um, so we're we're watching it, and then you know as we're watching it. She suggests, you know, should we go up to the thermal to take a look? Because about 200 yards or 300 yards, something up the, around the bend, looking down in that valley, they had three uh, big thermal systems set up where everybody could look down in the valley. Yeah, they, they had the same thermal that Ron was carrying, plus a Pulsar mm-hmm. Hellion and a, um, I think it was a Fleer Scout. It might have been. I can't remember exactly. But uh, I'm like, well, you know, I want to stay here and, and, and see what this thing is. And, you know, this thing moves. And when it moves, it, we can see it's bigger than what we thought it was. And um, at that point, we're like, yeah, we're going up to, to the thermal. I wanted, like I said, I'd like to stay, but I was not staying back there by myself. It's just not going to happen. So as everybody goes up to the thermal station, I'm like, all right. So go up to the thermal station thinking, you know, we're going to be able to look down in that valley. If there's something down there, we're going to see it. And they're looking down in the valley, they're scanning down the valley. There's nothing in that valley at all. Um, and I believe Joe uh, from Melvin Holler, Joe, Joe Doyle, he was uh, out scouting as well at the time because, you know, he said he had heard something on the hill. So we don't know what that was. I didn't hear that. No, you know, nothing of that. That's in the report. It's uh, all, all that's written up. And, and available but um, go back to the uh, you know we step back out uh, one of the interesting things was as we went back out there as we did go onto the uh, onto the onto the trail all the lights went out and uh, yeah, power for the entire complex went the out. whole the whole complex power goes down it's in a state park uh, it's Chief Logan Park and um, the lodge they were about a quarter mile from the lodge yeah and the lighting from the lodge is enough because it's a big parking lot it's bright big bright leds so it sends off a bunch of light pollution wow and then we were just in complete void out there with just starlight and it was amazing i mean and uh and that's when joe came with radio I was like yeah the power just went out I'm like oh good so we continued so. <laughs> on when we came back out though uh as soon as they hit the parking lot as soon as the first of our group hit the parking lot, all the lights came back on, literally, just like that. And that's kind of where my story, uh, part of it ends. I, I went inside, did the debrief with everyone. We started looking at the the uh, video that I captured. Uh, Martin Groves was there. He looked at it, and he was just fascinated. And, and he had said that he had heard something, uh, heard 
some stuff down in the woods before we went in and uh I'm like wow okay but uh, so that was the that was the evening you know we we're just we was kind of fascinated by what had happened uh with that and uh and poor joe he's you know he's cooking <laughs> yep i'm out there freezing my tail end off by the fire because it was 36 degrees that night but i gotta tell you amazing food okay it was it was awesome it was so worth going back you know we've been out there for hours yeah you've been out there almost three hours the chili done and i was trying to make sure it didn't scorch because i'm like where are they at least you're you know warming up with the chili yeah well no i ran out of wood i had to go buy more wood so like it was yeah i i'd uh i'd worked for state parks for a while too like just through the summer and then I would do the campfire cooking and all that stuff for him. So I knew how much wood I needed for how much time. Mm-hmm. And so I'd already bought the wood and had it put out there. And then I had to go track them down and get more bundles of wood just to try to warm everything back up. Yeah, yeah. we were uh, we were in, the, you know, like I said, there was a, a, a briefing at the beginning. I was close to an hour. And then there was the actual, you know, demo of another hour or so. And then a debriefing. So, yeah, we were out there a while. Yeah. 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 So going back to the light situation, do you believe like that was some type of connection with whatever you guys were seeing? I have no idea. I mean, uh, there are people who believe this. Um, Based on the weirdness that we experienced, it's possible. We were told. um, We were told because I I talked to the superintendent. I got him on the phone and said, "Just asking, hey, what's the ETA?" And he was saying that it was going to be like four or five in the morning is what AEP had told him because they had found a, a tree that had got tangled up in the branches or in the wires and had um, completed the circuit and blew the fuse. So mm. uh, having it turned on within a couple hours is it was weird. bizarre because it was the transformer replacement is what they had to do. Wow. Yeah. And that's normally a four or five hour job. So that's And that's if they have all the parts on them when they get there. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. Wow, but um, but yeah, it was it was weird. It was really weird. Um, then the following day, uh, we had shown everybody the footage. Ron was going around. I, I was basically dragging Ron around by his jacket. Show him. Yeah. <laughs> they need to see it. Yeah, and what was great about that is you know the whole peer review thing. Well, we yeah. never release anything unless it's peer reviewed. I actually had a clip up that night that we saw this thing uh, announcing that we had seen something because enough researchers had seen it at that point. Because they were there. Yeah, they were there. actually at the event. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's that's something significant, you know. And we only had a couple people saying, oh, that's just somebody down the woods. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe. I don't know. So we're like, well, we're going out there tomorrow after the the event. We'll find out. (laughs) So Eric Altman and uh, and Tom Mick, uh, they went out the next day. During during the actual um, the show because this was this was a Saturday, yeah. and um, you know we're we're dying to get out there. It's just beautiful weather for this too, but uh, we just have other things to do. You know we have to take care of the show, make sure everybody's happy, and all the vendors are good. Meanwhile, you know Eric and Tom are out there on the trail, and they come back, and and they're on camera, and they they say what they say, and it's pretty much you know no one's going down in there. It's just not at night it's not happening at night you would see them at night they'd have to have some way to go to get down there and it was difficult enough as it was during the day so we had to 
you know. As soon as the last uh, vendor left that evening uh, out of the hallway, we we're like, we're going, you know. And as you know, we're, as we're going, we had a couple people who said they wanted to tag along with us, you know. So we, we actually stayed a second night at the lodge just so we yeah. could go over there. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we did. And uh, it was pretty worth it, I think. Of course. Yeah, worth it. So we get over there to the location, and um, I'm trying to get Ron to position me roundabout, like, it, on the trail. Get me to a point where I would be straight line down the mountain at it. And he got me there, and I'm looking around, and we do find sign of something large that has moved down down the mountain. Yeah, you and um, Jamie had noticed that uh, yeah. back up there, right? Yeah. Or Jen, you and Jen, I think. Yeah, it was me and Jen at first, and then Jamie came yeah. in. Jamie was pointing out some other stuff. And uh, I'm a certified master naturalist with the West Virginia DNR, and I teach tracking courses. I teach uh, all kinds of other different stuff for the DNR. And um, we were examining these to say, well, okay, what could this be? Because when we go out and we do an investigation, we're not, we don't have Bigfoot on the brain. As much Bigfoot stuff as I have on the wall behind me, I'm looking for a bear, I'm looking for a large coyote, I'm looking for something that would have matted this down, even a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, could have used it for a bed down, but there would have been hairs there, there would have been deer hooves there, there would have been, there would have been something. And all we're finding are these large depressions. They're in the grass, not very definite, but then we find one in the mud. And we ultimately wind up going back to cast that because I didn't have my gear my gear with me. I didn't have my, my backpack with all my plaster. We're down there doing the show. I had pulled all that stuff out of the truck to make room for, for the rig that we needed to take for the show. So we had to wind up going back out there again. And at this point, I go down into the valley. Well, you're getting ahead of yourself. Can you continue the story? Oh, no, no. We'll, we're gonna, we'll get that. We'll get that. <laughs> we'll go there. Um, so we're back we're back there in the day and I'm going down into the valley and I take a 60 foot spill where I fall land on my butt and just I slide get straight it on down camera. I'll answer your question now I did not get it on camera I was <laughs> recording I was filming but I did not get that on camera unfortunate <laughs> it might have had some weird audio of me laughing cause I like oh yeah yeah he laughed all the way down yeah I'll and uh, so we make it down there to the bottom, and well, you make it down to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I make it to the bottom. Ron's up top, trying to sight you in. Yeah, and uh, he's getting me in position. Yeah, and once we get locked in there into position, we're, we're we're situated. I'm like, I see where this thing was. Not only do I see where it was, but I see where it moved because I found other footprints. They were uncastable. We couldn't have done anything with those because they're just, you know, they're, they're just slop on the ground. Um, but the shapes of some of them, there were definitely a large bare foot footprint. And get down into the spot where this thing was, and it was right in this little water hole that is a part of a mountain stream. And the mountain stream's only active whenever it's been raining. So when we're there, it's not been raining for a while, it's pretty dry. But there's a water source there. And in the thermal, you can see what looks like an appearance of this thing taking a scoop from from the ground to its mouth and lowering its head as well. And we, we were guessing that it was either eating or drinking. There was also some nettle leaves that had been snapped off, like they, where they'd been eaten, which they're high in vitamin C and fiber. Mm. 
and uh, we're, we're looking around and I'm seeing all this sign of where something was and then in the thermal footage when you watch it it looks like this thing just vanishes it takes step step going we found out real quick why it looks like that there's a about a five and a half six foot drop off where it's you're in the creek you're walking on the creek bed and it just drops straight down in elevation little basically be a waterfall if the water was moving and this thing stepped right off of that and was gone and we found that because i stepped right off of it and you can see me in in the frame stepping off and i'm having to grab a uh, a tree that's about five or six inches around to aid me so i don't break my ankles oh my god and uh so that that is then trying to get back out oh god <laughs> that was awful trying to get back out of there because it was so steep we're, we're dealing with something that was it, like the hillside was like this wow it was pretty gnarly let's yeah. put it that way and so yeah. it was difficult to get up out of more so than in because like I said I fell and slid 60 feet yeah <laughs> and um, getting back up was, was tough uh, there's no way that somebody was moving around down there with no light because we had infrared cameras as well it wasn't just the thermal we had an infrared night vision camera and that would have any light if somebody had a match down there it would have honed in on that and it would illuminate it yeah there was no there whatever it was was down there with no light then the getting back out and in there was just no way to do it safely for anybody that didn't do this on a day-to-day basis barefoot in the dark <laughs> that is crazy now, yeah that's wild well here's here's where it gets weirder okay so that wraps yeah, that was up, the wild side yeah that wraps side. up our going out recreating and all that stuff the night that ron and i took a small little gang out with us it was uh jen and jamie and um that's when you initially discovered the tracks the, yeah, and, the we, and Danner, Danner was with us. Danner was with us. Yeah. That's when we initially discovered the tracks and discovered the pathway and all that stuff. We uh, were walking back out, and it was at dusk, late dusk, so the it was really, really starting to be like the twilight zone, or twilight time, not twilight zone. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I yeah, twilight right zone, <laughs> I say, hey, give me the thermal. I want to see it. Because I, I hadn't played with it anywhere other than in my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just grab it. I look up at the sky because I remember when I was in the Air Force, occasionally we'd have the thermal equipment. We'd look up at the sky and we'd see weird stuff. We just wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> sure enough, bam. What was weirder, though, is you saw that right before what happened. As we were walking out the path. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right before, as we were walking out, Ron's little pocket Geiger counter started. Actually, I told Danner, so you can't blame me this time, but (laughs) I told Danner to call off numbers if they went over uh, 35 to call off numbers, you know. And we're having a conversation. And, you know, this is the weird thing about, and you guys probably noticed this, as you are discussing things or talking amongst yourself this is when some of your best evidence kind of uh, manifests itself and it's very strange it'll be a voice or you know a reading on a meter or you know EDP something like that and 
we're having this discussion and uh, our, our comms started going wonk, kind of wonky and uh, we're getting out of there because it was getting dark and yeah. honestly all we had was what two cell phones and they so were we had two cell phones and I didn't have my flashlight and my cell phone yeah. died we weren't out there we weren't going out there to stay that long that's what's the most important thing to remember uh, we were we were just going out there to, to cite this out see how hard it was to get down in that valley and to make plans to come back if we had to which we did but um, as we were walking down that path Danner calls out uh, after I think the comms have made some kind of weird noise he's like uh, it just went to 40 like, what and then it just went right back down yeah and uh, like okay that's a that's a little odd that's yeah. two times the background radiation by the way that's that's uh, gamma radiation and uh, and then it just disappeared it was a, a nice spike it was there and then it was gone and so then we're out in the parking lot out in the parking I look lot. up with, with the thermal and we spot this little tic-tac egg-shaped thing just bolting across the sky at mock Jesus. This thing is just going. And it like goes from one horizon to the next. It's got to be a plane. I'm thinking it's a plane, right? That's a plane. Yeah, but there's no indicator lights. It's not a plane. There's, it, it was moving. And then it also does this weird little like loop-de-loop thing mm. and then goes over the horizon and is gone. So bugs, bugs won't go over the horizon. That's you can't weird. track a bug with that thing over the horizon. You can track them immediately because we started trying to debunk it. And well, you saw another one. instantly, and then Danner wanted to see. So Danner yep. takes the thing, and this is where we got some of our best footage. Danner takes the thing, and he he points it at the sky, and I don't even know. I mean, there was just multiples just zipping around. Yeah, there around. were three or four. It, it was insane. I mean, you can watch the video; it's crazy. Wow. But. Um, and you know we're thinking that's gotta be birds that's gotta be this or that and i'm thinking it's birds you know it's, we we debunk the insect like you said yeah, pretty much right the there insect, the spot. we wound up debunking the birds within a couple days i begged people to tell me they were birds and the yeah. only person who would tell me they were birds you know um was uh was ben anson and but then uh, he, he also said but send me a copy of that yeah, he didn't know. He has no idea. None of us do. Yeah. So, you know, so that's but an ongoing investigation. It then, because I told Ron, I said, you know, the reason I didn't think much of it when I saw it, I was like, oh, hey, look. And then they pulled up their phones and were looking. is because I had seen this stuff before. It wasn't foreign. It wasn't anything new. And I almost expected it. I mean, I did it out of just habit. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, thermal man. Ha ha. <laughs> Let's look up the sky. Yeah. And um, then Ron took it with him to the beach. Had the same thing happen at the beach. We had it happen out front of uh, my house. We had it happen at his house. And these are nights when only it's like exceptionally cold. Only on clear birds, nights. Not insects. Only on clear nights. Yeah, you can only see it on clear nights because the clouds obscure everything. Like, um, you got to think you're using a thermal imager, right? Clouds are insulators. That's why we don't have super duper crazy cold nights when there's a lot of cloud cover. But when we have a really clear night, that's when everything freezes and turns to ice and everything gets crazy cold. So we have these these insulator clouds that are holding heat from the daytime sun. They're acting as a shield. It's a it's a massive barrier. You cannot see through it with your thermal imager. Well, even if they're moving in front of it, you're not going to see it probably because they're they're white you know in the thermal imager right because they, they are up, hot, you know 
they show up hot is what what the indicator is like if you've got it on red hot you're gonna get red blips you got it on black hot they're gonna be black you got a white hot they're showing up white um they would show up i think against the clouds because they would show they would be the hot objects so then your clouds would turn black mm. it just depends on how fast they're moving wow yeah but normally these things like what we're assuming is that we're dealing with something that's at a much higher altitude and is above the cloud bank and is moving at an incredible rate of speed. What, I have no idea. What do you guys think when you see that? Like, if, if it's common, you know, how, how does that make you feel? Knowing, all right, there's definitely this out there, but, you know, In what's your opinion? In light of the documentation and the data that, you know, is freely available to anyone, Yeah. Um, it makes perfect sense. Honestly, I think that there's something here. There's something that's been here for a very long time, in my opinion. Yeah. And we're not discovering this. We're just rediscovering it or yeah. remembering for some reason. I have, I have no idea why it's being, you know, kind of whitewashed. But it, it may be because of its after effects. It's possibility that that's the issue. I, I really don't know. Well, like uh, like Ron had said, this in light of all the recent news, that was another thing. Why I was just like, yeah, there it is, <laughs> um, is because the the news is basically following anything with the UFO phenomenon or the UAP phenomenon. You know, we're having government hearings on it. We're having this small scale disclosure. Like it, honestly, in, in our opinion, disclosure happened. No, oh, it's happened. Yeah, they they've said, yeah, it's there. We don't know what it is. Yeah, so. The part where everybody's waiting for this disclosure to occur, where there's this thing lands on the White House lawn, is not going to happen. The government just acknowledged that there is technology that is moving that is not man-made, and we don't know where it's at, where it's from. Um, but we seem to be trying to provoke it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly the re- what you just said. Uh, we do seem to be trying to provoke it. We don't even know what it is. Let's be clear. Yeah. You know. Why do you think now, like, it's such a buzz in the news? Like, why now? Why not, like, years ago? Well, you had the the Nimitz encounter. That's what started it, that Nimitz leak. And when they had to acknowledge that, yeah, this was actually a, a leaked footage from official secret source, it shouldn't have made it public. Then you had people starting to dig their right? This was something that just satiated an appetite or created an appetite in in culture. And they're like, we want more of this. We want to see more of this. Then what really set it off was the whole national security threat yeah. aspect. Now it's suddenly a problem. It's not, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a bunch of wackos running around here with tinfoil hats. This is something that's shutting down our nuclear facilities for long periods of time, and we have no control over them. Mm. That's a problem. Mm. And when you have something that's doing that frequently, (laughs) multiple times, all around the world, it kind of forces the hand to, to say something. And then, you know, they, you've got to report some of this stuff and then all of a sudden you've got these old stories of old UFO sightings that are suddenly coming out in the media where Project Blue Book or Grudge had already dealt with it and 
thrown it under the rug, we really find out was that, yeah, they did investigate it. Yeah, this actually did happen. Yes, this person suffered from radiation burns. Mm. Uh, it's it's not good news. Yeah. It's not a good... This isn't something like, oh, today we discovered this. So, you know, you're you're not running with it that way. It's it's more scary. It's more um, terrifying. And that's why people are wanting answers, and they're kind of getting some answers here and there. It's spread out. But yeah. I think the yeah. the implications of them being here is, is the big problem. Well, I think that's that what, telling us. what you just said, the, the implications of them being here or the implications of them... Uh, actually manifesting uh, in more than just a, a flash or whatever we're seeing out there right now. Uh, I think there's going to come a point when something's going to happen that's so big that it simply can't be covered up. It can't yeah. be denied. And that's where we're moving toward. And you ask why after 75 years, the same question I ask, why after 75 years? It, it makes no sense. Would you, you fast track the public to accepting this, and the media to accepting this, and you, you've seen it as well as I have. You know, uh, during the beginning of the, the 2017 um, reveal, uh, the, you know, there were still little green men from Mars. You know, these little the, the media loved to play the the uh, the game and make fun of these people, and now they're not laughing so much. Yeah. They're not laughing so much at all because we're we're seeing that there's really something there, and the only reason that you would adjust the entire paradigm is because something you think something is going to happen to where you need them to know so they don't freak out and start hoarding toilet paper and toothpaste and god knows what else you know yeah because we've already seen that happen yeah oh it was yeah. a dry run yeah what's it what's it gonna be when suddenly we have we're not invaders alone. yeah exactly it seems like they have no control now that's Being, why they're so open with discussing it, because they're not in control. They're yeah. The, the government's not in control of this anymore, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's what changed. Right. What's definitely crazy too is that it's not just our government. You know, like it's yeah. not just it's Russia, America, it's, China, it's, it's, North Korea, it's, it's the yeah. whole world oh. that is involved in this. Yeah. And you know, it, Brazil has read, led the charge on this for ages. Brazil and uh, Central America, mm. and and South America, they've been wide open discussing it in the news since the 70s. Wow. Okay. So they were kind of already like, yeah, okay, UFO sighting in this town, blah, 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 blah. And it was just normal. Yeah. But you're banging your head against the wall until the paradigm shifted. Yep. So what is the connection with Bigfoot and aliens? Is there one? Yeah. It's a good question because we're, uh, oh, sorry. You're good. I honestly, um, we can see a trail that leads to, uh, the possibility yeah. that something is emulating a Bigfoot. Um, I think it's, it's interesting to note that you could be dealing with two separate things here. I know some people think it's one or the other, but we could be talking about two separate things. And we could also be talking, let's go into, you know, let's hypothesize a little here. Let's say that whatever this thing is, 
uh, say there is an intelligence. It has been here for thousands of years. Predates us. Well, for all it knows, maybe it thinks that uh, you know, Bigfoot or whatever it was, uh, that's a common thing. It's, it's, no more, it's no different than a bear or a deer or anything else. And so there's evidence that suggests that these that these beings, intelligence, call them what you will, can sort of uh, make you see whatever. Uh, stimulate the, uh, what's it called, Joe? The image center of the brain, right? So if they stimulate the I'll image center of the brain, then there's this possibility that they're making you witness or see something that it, it may not be what it is. It's the mask, as Valet says, it's the mask. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Now, are they related? I could not honestly tell you. I know a lot of people think that I, I believe that we're talking about the one and the same thing, but I really don't think we're talking about one and the same thing. I think there is enough room for the whole flesh and blood Bigfoot as well as this ethereal or whatever it is, you know, uh, Bigfoot. Until we figure it out, we're, we're simply not going to know. And honest to goodness, guys, I don't know that we ever will know. Yeah. Wow. What What's some of the evidence that you've seen both mainly a Bigfoot that you've been like, wow, I know with your, the thermal, you know, that's got to be pretty damning evidence for you, but, you know, what are some things where you've been like, this is pretty undeniable to me? I'm going to have to say that, uh, honestly, uh, and I, I tell this story a lot, but when I came into this, I was not a Bigfoot person. Um, I believed it. I, I believed the stories. I believe everyone, you know, I would never say, oh, you're you know, you you made that up. There's no way. You know, yeah. I mean, there's something there. There's evidence that there's something there. But I I never knew that it was so prevalent. I guess would be the word. Yeah. I had no idea it would be so prevalent that you could literally, if you know what to look for, you might have a good chance of finding it. It's no different than finding a bear or or anything else if you if you know the habitats of it. But um, I think the best evidence for me was uh, when we went to Wineberry, um, and that's in Wyoming County. That was, uh, that's an, sort of just an incredible case, honestly. We had a witness out there who had had a sighting, and again, not going to find any evidence. We're going out there to document her story because, and you know, you were talking about your, um, your dad and, and the stories that he, that he has, you know. Try to get those stories. It's yeah. so important to keep these stories, and that's that was our goal. We wanted to go and get this story from this witness, and just put it in the data, you know, because yeah. it's important. It could it could lead to something in the future. So we go up there, and we meet with her, and she tells us the story, and um, it sounds good. So we do a little recreation and whatnot, and I'm thinking this is great, you know. And she takes us to this place where. She had heard some stuff before, and it gives her a bad feeling. Like she's really terrified to go to these woods. And uh, at first, she was not going to go, but she's like, "Well, I'll go with you guys." Like, okay, so she goes out with us. We're on this one area uh, where we named it Wineberries because there's this patch of thicket of wineberries there. And as we're out there, we hear something up on the ridge, uh, several hundred feet above us. And it literally sounded like somebody took a very heavy, uh, like a tree or, or a piece of wood and just banged on the side of the uh, the tree. 
and then through it because you hear the bang and you hear the whoosh, you know is that one of the uh, signs of like a Bigfoot like they hit trees or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, I was like wow that's just crazy and as you know we were coming back out there we could hear something up on that ridge and it was whatever was up there was kind of following us is, mm. is our theory right so uh, before we leave that evening, um, Jeff's like, well, I want to check this field out. There's this big field where they had just uh, tried to put some, um, they were trying to put some some uh, seeds down and get some grass growing in there. It was kind of muddy and mucky. And he went to check for, for some tracks there. Made sense. So we went down there and we saw a few depressions in the ground. Nothing good and solid. And uh, we continued on and, and he was like, okay, I think I got something. I'm like, all right. So in the middle of this path there's this little puddle of water and you can make out what it looks like toes and it looks like you know a footprint and we've been down this track this path before and it's like man i don't want to get my hopes up you know um so he cast it and for 40 minutes i sat in the car while this is or in the truck while this is this you know this is setting up and uh, i'm thinking man i want this to be toast but at the same time i'm like don't get excited yeah, yeah, don't get excited and we go out there and prize it out of the ground nervously you know I'm, I'm filming this whole thing it's all documented I, I filmed the whole thing documented it all that's what we do with our investigations we document them and um, you can hear it come out of the ground you know and I'm thinking oh my god he broke it but it's, it's the grass that's popping you know Yeah. and as soon as it comes out of the ground you see this massive toe and I'm like wow that was the first actual good set of toes that we pulled out of the ground and when i saw that i was like wow i mean he had got the uh the ones from uh Kanoa state they look pretty good too but they are in the lines of uh, a little bit of a smaller creature you know uh, this thing is huge this thing is like 15 16 inches long uh to me that's what i think of when i hear bigfoot you know mm. i mean they're not all that big there are some that are a little bit smaller but this thing is massive, whatever it is. And uh, that kind of changed my mind on a yeah, few things, you know. Of course. And and uh, I hadn't seen anything, though, of course. Um, and then it was um, it was in 2020, and we were, um, we were actually on a little bit of a break. We had to come back from doing an investigation, a follow-up investigation. It was the investigation where we actually returned to Kanoa State Forest uh, because someone had heard something coming through, barreling through the woods the day uh, the day before we got out there. And as we're out there, we find the spot where it was and whatnot. And it's also where we found those weird radioactive tracks, which, yeah. you know, this was the first time we ran into that, so we didn't really understand that. And um, we were talking about that. We're on vacation. We're talking about it. We're going to film the end of our little video or documentary and, and say, you know, what we feel about that and yeah, we do and so joe's cooking and and as he's cooking i keep hearing these sounds down in this valley and uh I'm like what in the world you know this can't this can't be happening this is not real you know and um they get him back up after after we eat we sit on the porch and we listen and we do hear it and what it amounts to long story short is something was down in those woods down in this big valley in front of us we're on the back of this deck looking down into this dark valley and um, to the left of us 
we hear some sounds and to the right of us we hear some sounds and off in the distance we hear you know we hear some crazy stuff there's like dogs barking and whatnot and then the dogs just go silent it's it's very weird and so he shines a light down in the valley and there's you know nothing there and then he hears what sounds like we, we all hear it we both hear it and it sounds like a like a female voice speaking but it's not really speaking in words you know it's mm. it's more of a gibberish and uh yes at the time i had no idea what the sierra sounds were and uh after i would hear those i'd be like yeah that's that's pretty close i mean it's almost like it had the cadence of speaking but it would just switch to i really speak out like that oh. but it's like what in the world am i hearing you know you you think you can make out the words but there's there's no words wow it's, it's not not that you can understand and wow. um so as we're standing there looking down there you know all of a sudden there's this light that comes on off to the side of us and I'm like, what what's that and joe's like what there, there's a light just came on he's like no it's been on i'm like I don't, I don't think so and then all of a sudden the light goes off and i'm like he's like that's a motion light uh-huh okay so uh next phase of the uh the craziness starts and, and we go around the back of the house now off the deck of the back of the house into the the pasture area and we found there's a motion light back there and uh if you're about what joe 30 35 feet from it the light comes yeah the light powers, comes powers it's, up. it's a 40 40 foot sensor i think um like 40 foot's really pressing it mm-hmm. so it it powers up to full and then it goes back down and uh we tested that a few times like okay well something was here you know that that did that i guess you know we just couldn't figure out what it was and um and so we leave we, we walk back around the the fence and uh before we go back inside or back onto the deck joe has his light and he shines it and he's shining the beam across i'm watching the beam and as i see it as the beam comes over something does this number and it's really big it was a really 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 big silhouette of uh something that still doesn't make sense to me uh very broad shoulders very broad shoulders in, in, in not a proportional head at all on this thing um it goes down and i'm like oh my god so i grab the light and start trying to recreate this is like that's a trick of light and shadow it couldn't have been real that was not real i couldn't recreate it and about that time joe looks at me he's like we gotta go we gotta go right now and um yeah and the reason i was okay. saying is that it's because i it wasn't like i wasn't scared yeah it wasn't uh, it was there was uh, like I got this sensation that I had peed my pants. Yeah. Mm. And I, I, I didn't, thank God. <laughs> but I had the sensation that I had. And um, that was just bizarre. And it also felt like this humming, like this, uh, like a resonant frequency, like a boom kind of thing. Yeah. And well, that's why I heard that. So. Yeah, Ron actually heard it. I felt it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got the full brunt of whatever it was. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So we backed off and, you know, watched the field walking backwards as we're going. And uh, we get back inside. And as I'm as I'm going in, he went in first. As I'm closing the door, I can hear that sound. And it I've described it. And it sounds like um, it sounds like a bunch of hornets off in the distance running through a heavy reverb unit. And when I say that, people who know what it is, they're just like you know, they know what that means. I have no idea what that meant. 
I still really don't know what that means. But uh, the night just got weirder. Yeah, so while we're there, we, this is, you know, it's a family farm. We're out there all the time. And um, my son, my youngest son had been out there, her oldest son now had been out there with us uh, multiple times. And we start hearing what well, sounds like him crying. And I heard it. My wife was hearing it. Ron's wife was hearing it. And I kept poking my head, checking. He's still out cold. I He's never heard it. Just out like a light. And um, we think that whatever this thing was was replicating and emulating uh, my son's crying to get us to come back outside. Oh. Yeah, I think whatever it was wanted us to come back outside, and that was not happening. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so the next morning, uh, we're like, okay, let's go out and, and figure out what was going on. So I go out. Joe's already out there. He's out there in the field when I get up. And uh, he's looking around. And I'm feeling pretty good because what I saw was I saw this big giant thing go down by, you know, it ducked down in these like tall, these little, I thought it was tall grass, you know. It's not tall grass at all. It's very, very short. It's probably just a couple of feet. And I see Joe out there walking out. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. It was a trick of light and shadow. There's no way. I mean, you can't do that. And uh, he's like, okay, go to that position that you were. I'm like, okay, hold the camera up, you know. He's like, all right, how's this look? And, and he just disappears. The field actually had a really steep drop-off at that point. And, uh, I mean, it was very walkable, obviously, because I did it backwards. But it was at a, a steep incline where just a couple steps, and you're below the ridge. And whoever's standing on the other side, you can still see them. I could still see Ron, but he couldn't see me. Yeah. That thing had bare sliding position below the of, us. Line of the weeds. Yeah. It was watching and us. Whatever it was, was straight on. It was watching yeah. us. I don't know. <laughs> now that, you asked for the strongest bit of evidence. I think that was probably the one that really struck home with me more yeah. than any of them i'm in shock yeah is is that the scariest moment you've guys had um what's the scariest moment the scariest moment wasn't due to fear mm. uh it wasn't due to like something happened oh god we're scared like it wasn't like that it was more like okay why is this happening this shouldn't be here um what kind of implications could this have on our well-being? Okay. That kind of sphere, because it was radiation-related. Oh, oh yeah. God. Where was yeah, it's at? different when you're out there and you start picking up things like that. Yeah. And it's like, this this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, and, and Joe is, he's convinced at this time, by the way, that this thing is flesh and blood that we're chasing. It's not, you know, there's, there's well, nothing it, weird about this. I still, to to a degree, because I know that you guys had asked the question a little bit ago before I had to walk off. Sorry about that. That's um, okay. We, um, I still think that there is a flesh and blood creature out there. I think there is too. I also think there's something else. Yep. And at that's time, emulating. Had, that's that's really emulating a flesh and blood creature. Yes. I was really dismissive of a lot of that. Is really where I was at. I was dismissive of a lot of the weird, more paranormal kind of Bigfoot stuff and this report came in we actually made it there within two hours and um, because of 
the time we were there so quickly we were able to really assess the scene and and make out what was going on and we were able to establish exactly where this person had the sighting because they had their sighting was this uh large dark figure went running down the hillside making all kinds of noise and this is like early morning sighting like or just before afternoon because we got there at around noon and um they had they were out there doing their morning jog or whatever and this thing ran down into the bottom and then she said it took off it had to have taken off up the hill because that's when she lost it well the problem with that is where she lost it was the, the hill is almost vertical and there's a, also a fence on it and the fence was still intact mm. so we're trying to figure out where this thing went we're I'm, I'm out there looking on the ground trying to find trace evidence of footprints what kind of tracks would maybe she saw a bear because you know large dark object and what's interesting is that we did find bear tracks we also found tracks that weren't bear tracks both the bear and the thing that we can't identify were also carrying some amounts of trace radiation higher than background yeah like much higher than background like it was double the background level wow and we couldn't figure out why that was happening what was going on when was that how long ago was that that was oh a little bit it was 2020 yeah but it was um was two or three days two or three days before we went out to the farm yeah, it was just a few days before because we were actually shooting the incident. analysis of everything on for our, our channel and uh, updating with the information when everything weird started happening there. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, do you also do paranormal investigations? Oh yeah. Yeah. What's what's one that sticks out the most? Hmm. Probably the shadow being that I tried to chase that everybody asked me, am I crazy? Mm. I think that was a good one. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. We were I on a, no, this was, this was before uh, Joe's involvement. The olden days. Yeah, mm. this was the Ghost Watch days. And I think still it's probably one of the best visuals that I've had of anything like that. Maybe, I mean, there's other things, but I wasn't investigating when I saw that. But this, uh, this was on a dead end floor, on the third floor. Uh, big freight elevator is the only way to get up there. The whole team was up there. And uh, we had a professional cameraman running with us at the time. He was filming the stuff. And um, we're up there, and I know everybody's up there. And as we come around this corner, I see this black form, just like somebody walking. I mean, it just looks like someone walking. I'm like, wait, who? So I turned around and, and ran toward it. And they thought I'd lost my mind because they didn't see anything. They saw nothing, actually, at all. No one in the group saw anything. And they said, he, he's lost it. He's chasing, you know, uh, a reflection. And, but there was no reflection either. And when I went around the corner expecting this person to be there, there's nothing there. I'm like, oh, my. Well, this is different. And, uh, you know, we, we caught like I said, there's no evidence whatsoever. So what do you do with that? You know, the, I think that's one of the cooler ones. Uh, I worked in a in a store that was it was haunted, 
as crap, dude. I mean, you would go in there, there'd be stuff flying across the store, uh, across the floor. Every morning there was things on the floor. You'd think, oh, maybe it's just a mouse. There's no mouse. We had one customer who came up to us and uh, told us to thank that that uh, helpful young lady who helped her pick out a card. It was a card store. I'm like, there's no lady in here to help you pick out a card. Oh my gosh. But I didn't tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> These things, it was common. And so none of that stuff really bothered me. And uh, it's just, you know, I grew up with it, I guess, mm. you know. And um, the whole tales of, of the weird stuff. But um, yeah. And you asked about the fear thing. I think I'll go with I'll go with it because you know Joe's over there. Like, why aren't you telling that story? Okay, <laughs> I will. Um, it's not fear though, and I think you're right. I think it's it taps into something else, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's uh, it's just this uneasiness. But this was in uh, the nine the late nineties, ninety nine, somewhere around in there. And me and my wife were coming home from uh, visiting my parents. And this is the one that was in uh, Wolfman Legacy. Um, and that's why I was in it. Because as we were coming around this curve, um, this part wasn't in Wolfman Legacy because she decided she she's she doesn't want to be in the movie. So, you know, it's just me. And I completely forgot about this. But as we came around this curve, we smelled what smelled like, uh, like roses or perfume or something. It was kind of odd. And as we go around the curb we smell that we're like hey smell that and about that time my light hit something in, in the road and this thing in the road is kind of a grayish kind of thing I'm, I'm like at first thought I'm thinking dang that is a really big like a vulture or something just crouched down in the road and uh, as I'm, I'm watching it like it's it stands up and I'm like oh geez that's not a vulture and it's tall it's really tall but more impressive than that is it puts out its arms or appendages or whatever they are and they touch the other side of the road and it's as it does that and it wings out or arms or whatever it makes one movement and that's straight down and it shoots straight up as the wings come down it shoots straight up and i mean like it's there and it's gone and we hear you know that the twigs falling from the trees and and whatnot um I hit the gas, and I, I mean, I don't think I've ever been afraid of it. That much fear, adrenaline, call it what you will, but it just hit at the primal level. I don't even know what it was. I was going to say it was primal fear. Right? Yeah, it was fire or flight, like when a squirrel fear. Like, like when a squirrel sees a bear, for example. Yeah, that, that was uh, cut from the movie. Um, we'd actually made a, uh, I, I worked up a little graphic of a terrified squirrel seeing a bear. Because nice. um, when <laughs> me and his wife, she immediately messaged me. All she sent me was prime in the interview. I mean, when a squirrel sees a bear, small monsters, and I say that she hears it and she's over there texting him I'm like, "You won't believe what he just said." Yeah. <laughs> It was great. Oh, that's so funny. You're terrible. But no, for real, that was that was very strange. And uh, I think it puts you in an uncomfortable place. Just like, yeah. just like with the radiation reading and Joe, it just wrecks your paradigm because it's like, it, I've, it, it, I've seen that, things. That incident forced me to change my perspective on stuff because uh, right after that, I started a real big deep dive on um, the different Bigfoot accounts that I've been dismissing for years. 
and trying to find congruencies, trying to find parallels with uh, other accounts that were um, of more bizarre instances. And one of the things that I did find is that oftentimes these Bigfoot-like creatures, because we there's no word for it, so we don't the lexicon's broken, so we have to we just use Bigfoot-like as a term until they come up with something else. Isn't Woodbooger like a name for Bigfoot? Woodbooger is a name for Bigfoot. Okay. That's and awesome. uh, that's one of our events, too. Is well, it's down your way, actually. That, that, that's Virginia name, right? Oh, really? It's Virginia and West Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, so these, uh, these other strange instances where you're getting these descriptions where people are actually seeing a good, good account, they're describing something that is much different than what I saw and also what you've seen in the Patterson-Gimlin film. You're seeing these things that have their gaunt, really long arms, like in almost touching the ground. Mm. The hair is far more sparse. Oftentimes, the eyes are glowing like on their own. No, no eye shine. Nothing like that. It's like they're actually emitting light. Mm. Um, there have been sightings of some that were actually carrying these little spheres of light, and they had that different look to them. They were. They, they didn't look like your typical Bigfoot. Um, then you also have in those same accounts, back to the Sphere of Light, you have all these orb accounts. And that is something that we're not sure what that phenomena is. I've experienced it. Um, we don't know if it is UFO, UAP related, if it is paranormal related, if it is all the above. Um, but we know it happens. And let's define orbs, Joe. It So we're not talking about these orbs like you see on a photograph. Um, like with paranormal investigators, they go out and they take a picture in a dark room and it's covered with dust and you've got all these little, oh, there's, there's a ghost of so-and-so right there. Right. Nothing like that. This is actually a intelligent sphere of light. It is uh, generally described as being anywhere from like softball to beach ball sized, um, moving in in the tree line in the forest. Normally, these aren't seen up in the air above the above the canopy. These these little spheres of light are something that people are seeing like closer to the ground, moving in and out of the trees, and that's what we're talking about when we call it when we say an orb that is what we're talking about is this weird light phenomenon that is taking place and these lights seem to be sentient um when we were filming with finding bigfoot uh i was out on the ridge line we'd actually i just took ron there the other day to the exact location and showed him where i witnessed this thing and watched it bolt over me and the camera guy had both seen it Cliff was using his thermal and he was looking over to the left into this area where we had heard some howls come from. And me and the camera guy didn't think anything of it because we were kind of running low on batteries and we thought that somebody from the road crew was bringing us batteries um, back from base camp. Well, as we're watching this thing, this couple seconds take place, this light comes near us. It's almost like it realizes that we see it and then it bolts down off the trail straight down into the ravine mm. and Ron's now seen the the terrain there 
Um, yeah. Once you go over off the trail, there's like a little landing, and then it is straight down for about a 1,200 feet. Hmm. Um, it, practically yeah, straight if, down. If anyone's nobody, out there at 2 o'clock in the morning or, or even after dark, you know, yeah. and it gets dark out there fast, it gets dark when we were out there. Yeah. So I'd say after eight nine o'clock, you you go over that hill, you're you're dead because it's right. it's a flat drop straight down. Yeah. And we radioed back like, hey, is there anybody? Somebody just went over the hills. Is there somebody coming out here with a headlamp? And they're like, no, no, everybody's here. Everybody's accounted for. So we were like, okay, that's weird. And Cliff asked what what we'd seen, and Cliff was like, what'd you see? Because Cliff was saying we saw Bigfoot because we'd had a knock really close to that point we'd heard multiple howls at that point and then he's thinking we seen one cross the trail and might have had it on camera and the camera was like no that is not what we saw and i'm like that is not no we saw a ball of white and he was like well i know enough about the will of the wisp to know that we shouldn't follow that so let's go ahead and start heading back to base camp <laughs> and and that's what we did and uh, you know that never made it into the TV because the TV show is called Finding Bigfoot, not Finding Weird Lights in the Forest. It still and, would have been a great addition, right? Yeah. And uh, it that was the second thing that happened to me that forced me into a paradigm shift of looking at these things from a different perspective. That yeah, we were probably right. This is a secondary phenomena. And the more we've researched these things, and the more reports we've gathered. And the more time we've spent in the field, we are more often than not finding that subject A is showing up in the same place as the subject B is. But when you're out looking for subject A, you're going to find subject B before you find subject A. To me, it, it is almost like, uh, you know, if you play the game, right, uh, it's almost like if this is an alien presence they're not studying us they're studying Bigfoot yeah you know I mean yeah. you, you, you see these uh, these lights these probes or whatever they may be and then you see the Bigfoot well we have two options either they're A studying a physical creature or B you're looking at something and thinking you're seeing Bigfoot hmm. so yeah which one is a screen it? image yeah like a screen image so you have this theory that what you encounter is connected with something else like it's all connected somehow that's the related phenomena theory and i honest to goodness what I those mean, relations are we don't know we don't know what the, the relations are yeah. but we, we, we see a pattern there's a pattern seen it too much to not it. yeah it can't be denied I, I don't think it can be denied and uh people who don't want to believe it, mm. it Okay, so belief, it, it's like what happened to me, you know. Uh, belief is a matter of, of, um, of faith. And data doesn't care, as Joe says, about your feelings or your faith. Yeah. It is just there. So you've got to figure out how this works. And when I say a belief system, I don't mean like, spiritual or religious I'm talking about well, it is some people but what I'm referring to is a belief that we know science has told us what this is and what's possible and that's all that it'll ever be that's it's just not that simple I mean if you look at the data you can't say it's that simple anymore yeah the data 
you either have to throw the data out with the bathwater and completely ignore it or you have to accept the fact that we don't have a single iota of what's going on out there mm. we don't understand in the slightest I do think that there is a large flesh and blood creature because what I observed was very normal, very mundane, even though it is very, you know, fascinating. The behavior was extremely normal for a creature that would be spending its time out in the forest. Yeah. Foraging for food, you know, digging for grubs, things like that. That's normal wildlife stuff. And what we're seeing with this other phenomena is that it's definitely not doing normal wildlife stuff. And we're, we can't dismiss all of it. You know, we can go out, we actually do try to debunk everything that comes across our table. Oh gosh, yeah. Right. We, we do our absolute best to do our due diligence and actually dissect everything. And what question we're left with is data things. Literally just question everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What we're left with is data points on a, on a spreadsheet. And when we look at this data, we have evidence that supports a physical creature, uh, which is what everybody calls Bigfoot. We have evidence that supports the UFO, UAP phenomena. We have evidence that supports these paranormal aspects of hauntings and uh, these different poltergeist activities or weird spiritual activity. We have evidence of all those things. but there are multiple convergence points where all of those things are happening in the same place at the same time and what do you do with that when you're faced with that and if you're actually if you're if you're a, a, a researcher worth your salt when you are faced with that evidence what you do with that evidence is is really going to determine your outlook going forward mm. because you can't you can't say, oh, well, this was faked. No, we have scientific scientific instrumentation that has been recorded because we, we double double record everything. We've got Multiple data points. validations. Oh, yeah. We're recording with cameras when all this stuff's going on. Um, we're making sure that all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and that there's no way that we could be just fabricating this data, you know? And we show other people, like, we're out here doing this thing. Look what we got. Right. Do you think that maybe you, like, even us, we put ourselves in positions like that. Do you think after a while, like, that stuff, uh, like, attaches to you? That's why you experience it more? Um, I don't know so much that it attaches itself. I'm sure, you know, there's there's obviously the whole attachment theory. People say they brought things home with them and whatnot. It's like yeah. the hitchhiker effect. Um, and then there's also what we call the beacon effect, which is once you're open to a phenomena, you're, you're not, you might not necessarily be attracting it as much as it is suddenly you are aware you're more capable of seeing it. Yeah, you're you're aware that it's there, so now you're paying more attention. Yeah, like when you walk through, I can walk through my house, unless my toddler's known his toys all about. <laughs> I can walk through my house in the dark, 
because I have stubbed and broken so many toes walking through my house in the dark that I now know where all my furniture sets. Yeah. <laughs> because I have the data points to prove it. <laughs> That's a great metaphor. Yeah. yeah. So I walk through, I can walk through and navigate my living room and my from my bedroom to the kitchen in the dark without kicking anything unless something's been thrown in the way that wasn't there like normally. But I know where all my stuff's at. I can walk through and walk back, no problem. That's Personally, a, I think that, that is because I've observed with my sensory parts. <laughs> that's that's your sensory parts, yes. <laughs> but there are those who have another sense, and I believe that those people are very much more attuned to some aspects yeah. of these phenomena as well. And yeah. I'm not the only one who thinks that. That's yeah, that's you know, a popular. Yeah, yeah. I, I cut, yeah. There's actually uh, documentation on that at this point as well. Yeah, we know a guy uh, that we're pretty good friends with. I cut his hair uh, today. Uh, he has the gift of you know seeing the other side and stuff. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people do. They just choose to ignore it. Yeah, ignore it. yeah, yeah. And so again, we're dealing with totally different phenomena here. Like Ron, Ron's been out with me enough in the woods to know now. Like he knows what to look for. Mm-hmm. when we go out and we're looking for sign we're looking for tracks he knows what to look for and when I started pointing these things out to him he's, he was like I, I never imagined that it was so prevalent that it was, it was Literally. we're going to find it basically in time we go out in the woods we're going to find some sign that is not a bear but is a possible anomaly and that's a physical aspect that's physical awareness. That's situational surroundings or your situational awareness. You're paying attention to what's on the ground in front of you. You're paying attention to the surroundings more uh, in depth. Yeah. Then you have the spiritual side of things where you have people who are sensitive, people who can see, clairvoyance, etc. And they're sensitive on a whole different level. You know, because we could take that same person who's a clairvoyant out into the woods, say, find a Bigfoot track, and they're just going to, you know, look around until they have that physical understanding. Same thing with the other side, with the spiritual understanding. You have to have that understanding of the supernatural, spiritual side of things. And then once you have that, then your awareness in the supernatural, spiritual is heightened. And you can, you're more aware, you're more able to to tap into or see or express I can personally attest to that I was so against I didn't want to experience anything like I love this but I'm also you know you guys aren't afraid I am I do I do get scared I put him in, you know, yeah. scary situations. He puts me in these situations. Yeah. You should always put a good friend harm's way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yes. And it wasn't until recently that after, you know, you do it a while, it was after, I think, our first paranormal investigation that I was like, huh, I think I felt something. Especially at the first paranormal investigation, as we were leaving, it felt like I felt a hand on my back as we were leaving the graveyard, walking away. Like something was almost, you know, either maybe patting me on the back or something like that. Um, And then most recently, we were sitting and having a conversation and a flashlight was set up in the back. And as we were having this conversation, wasn't really looking for anything, you know, just conversation. I just so happened to look up and the flashlight shines right in my eyes. And I was like, huh, okay, this is, 
So how many coincidences does it take till you have to look at that data yeah. and say something something intelligent is happening here? Yeah. And I think, you know, as we were talking about growing up, right before we came here, I was telling my grandmother that I was we were going to be talking to you guys, and we just started talking about paranormal and stuff. And we started talking about Bigfoot, and she said, do you believe if someone came to you and said that they saw Bigfoot, what would you say? And I said, well, I would say yes. And she's like, because whenever I was in nursing school and everyone had gone for vacation and I heard these footsteps upstairs and when I woke up the next morning the headmistress came and asked me if I was walking around I started to realize maybe there's something there and I told her like even from a young age I was like that is crazy and if someone can tell you something and they they remember the exact moment you know they can tell you everything about the situation they were in you know how is that not you know, it, it would take so much for all these people to come up with a lie yeah, about probably. this. Well, you know, my, my grandmother on the other side of my family had a similar uh, recounting with me where she had seen a Bigfoot cross the road in front of her back whenever she was going to a, uh, it was a free computer class that they were offering for like, you know, people who were older. Mm -hmm. This was back when computers were first becoming like a home in-home fixture and so she was going to a community college to go and uh, learn these how to how to type how to look on the internet things like that and on her way home she saw this creature she said it was like a big gorilla and it came across the road and stretched its arm up around like at full length um, where this is at is right around 12 feet from the road to the next because it's a switchback so you're going up the mountain like this you know and she was on one of the switchbacks going up and this thing reached up, grabbed the guardrail on the next switchback up and pulled itself up the side of the hill. And, uh, you know, she's like, once she found out that I was into all this Bigfoot stuff, she's like, I've never told anybody this before <laughs> in my life. And she's like, I can tell you because you've already gone on TV telling everybody. <laughs> right. I mean, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier where uh, people were, you know, hesitant to yeah. tell their story once everyone knows that you wear the tinfoil hat they're perfectly fine telling you any crazy thing they've ever experienced yeah. yeah it only takes one person to step forward and then you have the others who will say hey well i did too there's a lot of me tours there's a way yeah. for someone to to come out and, and uh and lead and you know that's that's what we have to do disclosure starts at home it doesn't start with a like joe said uh you know a mothership landing on the white house or you know something like that it's not like that disclosure starts and with, and with what, your community one of the ways that we show people this is when we're doing presentations at these big events we took a card that uh, stanton friedman kind of handed down to us was when we're when we're closing uh, our our talk, we say, okay, now that you've heard all this stuff, now that you've heard our data, you've listened to what we've had to say. How many of you in this room have had an encounter? And then the room's quiet for a minute. Everything's real slow. And then one person raises their hand, then hands start going up all over the room. Right? right. Then we say, how many of you guys told somebody about your story? A bunch of hands go down. Mm. Still, some hands stay up. We say, okay. Of of the people who left their hands up, how many did you? How many of you guys reported what you saw to an investigation team or, or anybody? Almost all the hands go down, with the exception of 
roughly it's it's between five and ten percent every time we do it. Wow. Right. And it it just goes to show that people will have these encounters. They don't talk about them. They don't report them to anybody. And because they're just not comfortable. There's not that openness unless you know somebody like one of us who's into the weird stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. It's true. It's hard, like, for skeptics, too. I mean, in-person experiences is one thing, but when you're able to capture stuff on these devices and present them to, you know, the skeptics or whatever, I mean, like, the the graveyard investigation that we did in Giles um, came back. We we yeah, looked over the, uh, the recordings and stuff. I mean, we got recordings of little kids laughing in the graveyard. <laughs> Yeah, that wow. really affected me. I, I think like, we had some shit. Uh, wow, orbs or so. Yeah, we yeah, we captured a apparition from behind. Me. So like, the graveyard. It's called George Paris Cemetery, Cemetery. and he was like a captain or whatever in the uh, was a Revolutionary War. Yeah, and he has his own grave set up, and there's brick laid out around it. Well, we were in the we were in the uh, foundation or whatever, and my girlfriend has the camera like on the side of like my side, and the other side is the brick the brick wall, and just maybe a second a white apparition just appears and it disappears. So it's not you know anything in the far distance or whatever. It was inside the foundation. We got that on camera too. It was just gnarly. Like, that that investigation was really crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that was our first one where we really, you know, delved into it. And uh, it was, like, awesome. yeah, the night it was raining. So, like, on the EVP, it would suck. And then there was... Too much white noise. Yeah. And then uh, traffic was just down the, down the hill. So, but still, we were able to capture, like, little yeah. kids laughing. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. But it's always good. You mentioned the skeptics. Yeah. You know, some some of my favorite, you know, best friends are skeptics, and so, yeah. I, I need them. I don't need debunkers. I need skeptics. Um, if we're going to debunk it, we're going to do it ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to tear it apart. And absolutely, you know, just like when I saw the, you know, that thing duck. I mean, the first thing I did was grab the light and just try to recreate this. I'm like, this is not real. And uh, you know, just trying to tear these things apart ourselves. That way, there's the data. And anyone who is skeptical or, you know, wants to question it, the answers are there. I mean, I know we had someone who had responded to one of our things and said that, you know, that looked like someone down in that valley with a, a backpack on or a, yeah. or a kid strapped to their back. A yeah. kid strapped to <laughs> their back. Somebody is called CPS. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's so... You know, and then there's there's common sense as well. Well, you know, could it be a bear? Well, I mean, I guess theoretically it could be a bear. It could be a radioactive bear too, because we obviously prove those exist too. But no one wants to believe that. <laughs> so you see, this is where we're at with these things. We do need a new name for what what is happening out there. I think yeah, we do. The le- like I said earlier, the lexicon's broken. The English language just doesn't have the words for it. Yeah. You know, we I uh, use this example a lot in in the Greek language. There's like eight or nine words for love. Mm-hmm. We have one, mm-hmm. 
and we're stuck in these words like, oh, I had a Bigfoot sighting. Well, okay, what did it do? It levitated off the ground and it shot lasers out of its eyes. Probably not Bigfoot. Probably not Bigfoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's something different. (laughs) We need need better categories. And and we try to create those, but we're not a massive community influence. Like, you know, we've got our own little section, but we we're not out there like the people carrying the flag saying this is what we're calling this now and everybody's like yes listen to them they're right mm. <laughs> but it seems like you guys are killing it in West Virginia yeah. <laughs> we're, it, we're doing it, what we can just, it just seems like that <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know. I don't well, know West Virginia definitely it seems has the the right nature for like the cryptids yeah you know oh yeah we do which I was gonna ask, you know, just about Bigfoot. Like, do you guys notice a migrating pattern, or like, do they? Do you notice a mating season that they have, or are they traveling in packs? You know, what really is the existence of the Bigfoot that you guys are following? Well, those great the, questions. Thank you. Yeah, those are really good questions. I'm glad you asked those. The um, what, based off my sighting, I know that they at least move in small family groups, minimum small family. Is that like three or four? Huh? Would that be like three or four or... Well, what I saw was three. I mean, possible for more, I I would imagine. But what I saw was three. It was a big one. A big one that wasn't quite as big as the biggest one. And then one that was about the size of a, you know, four or five-year-old kid. And um, so based off that, we found footprints in the same general area within a few miles we found footprints that range anywhere from uh, 16 to 18 inches all the way down to 8 inches Um, so that supports that theory as well but also I don't think uh, it used to be a common thought um, or or common in the Bigfoot world to think that you know these things were migrating um, moving from north to south similarly to you know how we see some some other species move um however the data now is reflecting something completely different Uh, it looks as if these things are staying within a certain home range we don't know what the home range is uh there's assumptions out there with some of the the leading thinkers and and with what we're we're collecting the data that we're throwing out there is it's looking to be you know like 10 to 15 mile range seems to be a a home range and they're not going to go too terribly far outside of that because that 10 to 15 mile area has water it has food it has shelter it's got all the things that it needs to survive so why would you migrate in and out you just rough it out like everything else you know rough it rough out the winters spring's coming soon um you know, wintertime, there's tons of edibles that are out there in the forest, laying on the forest floor. There's mushrooms that grow through the through the whole winter. There's only um, mushrooms in Appalachia grow 12, or uh, sorry, mushrooms in Appalachia grow 11 out of the 12 months of the year. Mm. Now, you're not going to get the full variety, but there are still plenty of edible mushrooms that are growing all the way up into the end of January. And then February is like the downtime. February is the the hard month. You can survive February. You can survive the rest of the year. And there's no need to go outside of a home range for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think the food source is a valuable data set in its own right because 
if you have food, then you're dealing with a physical creature. Yeah. What is the, uh, the, um, oh shoot. What, what do they eat? What's the diet, I guess? Uh, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a large creature. So anything that's that large has to be, by default, omnivorous. You've got to eat a little bit of everything. Yeah. That you can find. Uh, it's whatever you can find, whatever you can hunt and kill. Anything you can get your hands Scavenge. on. You. Scavenging out of dumpsters, scavenging off the road. Um, we've, we've got some pretty convincing photos of a very violent deer death. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I was working with the DNR, I was called out on for a um, a uh, poaching, yeah. yeah, possible poaching investigation, and we were able to rule out that it wasn't a poacher. And me and the uh, the DNR law enforcement guy were also like, "This isn't a coyote." And the DNR, the the law enforcement guy, he actually told me that this thing looks like it. It's the best evidence of what you're always out here tracing around the woods looking for. Nice. <laughs> because there's there's a handprint on the neck. Oh, oh wow! Like there's there's bruising and there's a, there's four clear fingers on one side and one clear finger on the other. Something grabbed this deer by the neck, snapped its neck, um, bashed it against the rocks, and then you know. Jesus, that's horrifying. Like, God, yeah. that is horrifying. Um, so we're, we're clearly under the assumption that they eat deer. Yeah. Uh, we're also under the assumption that they're eating and using these vernal pools that are out in the forest. Vernal pools are collection points of water where you get runoff from snowmelt, runoff from rain, collecting in a small little puddle that turns into a big pond. Yep. That's where all your amphibians are going to go. All your reptiles and amphibians in the area are going to go there to drink. Uh, they're also your mammals are going to go there to drink water. They're also going to go there to predate on the amphibians. So you've got large salamanders that can, you know, be about 10, 11 inches long and weigh about 80 to 90 grams, and that's 80 or 90 grams of fat and protein. Wow! And I didn't even think frogs, frogs. Wow. and then the easy pickings. The easy pickings are the big egg sacs. Those that is a ton of fat ton of fat just sitting there right in the water it's not even running from you you just gotta pick it up gulp it down like an oyster which we did document at Wineberry we've documented at Wineberry we've also documented it at the salamander site yeah wow I never would have thought of stuff like that I know yeah which you know that just makes me wonder they're staying in this 10 to 15 mile radius is it just you know a pack is it a, a couple different packs you know and also have you guys ever found fur or hair or anything like that? Just for, you know, I think if anyone who ever listens to anything about Bigfoot, it's always, well, why hasn't, why hasn't it been found? But what you said earlier about the UFOs and how everyone's expecting a UFO to just land on the White House, that's the disclosure. Well, the disclosure could be any of these films or casts or anything that you have. But what would be your answer to somebody who said, you know, if it exists, you guys have this, this, and this, you know, what, what's your reason that there hasn't been, we haven't found a full body or anything like that? Uh, the, the easiest answer for the full body is that the forest is very efficient at destroying a carcass. Mm. Um, there's been some, uh, you know, there's these big human remains farms that are that are out and about where people will go uh, it's forensic units will go out there and they'll 
they'll take uh, bodies and cadavers and nail them to the ground so that way things can't carry them off and see how many days it takes Oh wow! For, for the bodies to break down and it's extremely fast and here specifically in West Virginia I did this um, two summers ago with uh, as a little project that we did for our nationalist group and we took a deer that had been hit and killed on the road drug it out to a spot and put it out in the forest and in six days you couldn't even tell that there was a deer that had been laying there. Wow. Mm. And because of the temperature, because of the humidity, because of all the scavengers and everything else, decomposition is extremely rapid. It, it sets on immediately. Then you have scavengers coming in, picking things apart, and then you have coyotes and other larger uh, animals will come in take the bones. Yeah. So it depends on the biome. It does. It, it really yeah. does. And um, so, I mean, why haven't we found a body? We don't know. We don't know if these things have culture. Yeah. They could bury their dead. We don't know. Yeah, they could Nobody, be. Nobody's fully... ever witnessed it. That's not been a, in a sighting report, so we don't have. I mean, we don't what, have a data point to base that on. What, um, what you were saying earlier, Ron, about the gibberish or whatever that you were hearing, you know, if that's a dialect that they're sharing between them, you know, there it's very clear. There, yeah. there has there has to be some sort of communication barrier that or that they have which also I'm sure you guys if you are seeing it or know it's there then it probably knows it's probably already oh, knew yeah. that you were there it's very aware that we're there and you know uh, the theory is you know they have multiple ways to communicate yeah and, I mean the tree uh, knock that we know, were talking about wood knocks the mouth clicks which we've heard mouth clicks multiple times at yeah. these sites um and then, of course, the gibberish, which I think is a little more rare, but it is recorded quite a bit. And, uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of, I freak out newbies whenever they go out with us um, or when we do a workshop and we take a big group of people out and they've been on the Internet way too much. And mm -hmm. they're hearing these things like, oh, don't whistle when you go in. This goes back to them knowing you're there. In our research areas, in our active research areas, when we go in, we make our presence known. And you're going to get hurt more likely when they don't know. Yeah, yeah. when you startle them, scare yeah. them. And we've actually we've actually been doing this for so long. We've we've noticed that when it's in the research areas we go into, when we kind of announce ourselves as coming in, in the same way that we always do, generally nature goes on about its business and so I'll go out and I'll whistle in the dark I'll whistle in the forest and make a, a, a two-tone whistle to, to, to I'm here and then go on about my business yeah and you have all these people who have read too much online like oh you're gonna you're gonna disappear something will come get you <laughs> you know and uh, but that's that's not the case. Like I make sure to make my presence known. Let let them know. And I'm not going out there howling, screaming, and beating on trees. We don't do that. Yeah. We're very passive investigators with the paranormal and with Bigfoot and with the UFO stuff. We don't go out there trying to instigate. Yeah. I believe that, that this whole all the phenomena, all of it, there needs to be uh, a serious respect for it. Of course. Yeah. We're dealing with something that is highly intelligent in either case. I mean, even if Bigfoot is a flesh and blood, that it's intelligent. It has managed to stay away from us 
with some of the best equipment on the planet, you know, unless of course it has, you know, been covered up as some believe. Who knows? I don't know that. I mean, there's so many options with that. There are. And one, you, this goes back to the last one. While we might not know they're here, why don't they come out and just say it like they have the UFO thing? Uh, wow. one, of, one of the popular school of thought is that, you know, logging industry and things like that have kind of kept it under wraps because we've seen what happens when an owl or a woodpecker gets spotted in a forest. Yeah. Suddenly, all of those timber permits get revoked and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge industry. Environmental there's protection. That. Yeah, there's that. And then there's the possibility. <laughs> you want me to do it? I want you to do it. For it. Then there's the possibility. And it's just a possibility. It's not, you know, this is speculation land. Let's go back to those thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, say about, I don't know, 20, 30,000 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not here. I mean, we're not here. We look like this anyway, do we? But something's here. Something's, something's out there in the forest walking around doing its thing you know and and say someone comes down here and, and sees that you know and uh, they start manipulating that mm. and they start changing it and all of a sudden we look like this some of us do but there's still our great 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 yeah. you know ancestors out there in the woods that we're out here hunting now trying to figure it out well if someone figured that out at hot top levels I think I would want to keep that quiet but there's this ancestral human being that exists within mm-hmm. our mountain ranges because you know I've always yeah. thought the Appalachian Mountains the oldest mountain range to exist on earth why wouldn't this thing exist equally as long you know who yep. who's going out there that deep into the wilderness for days upon days upon days on end Especially when you don't know the best hiding spots. You know, if you can drop off like a five or six foot drop off, no problem, and just go. You know, you control your environment around you, you know. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, there's a big thing. They have to make a lot of noise. That thing that we saw down there, the the popping sound, if it wouldn't have been for that little slight twig breaking sound, and the only way that it was picked up was because they had a parabolic dish about this big, pointed down in that valley. If that parabolic hadn't been there, if they'd had that yeah. headphones on, we would, we would Heard never never look down there. know to look down in that valley. Period. So, these things are huge, yes, but they are extremely stealthy. They're extremely quiet. And they learned that skill. One thing that I have sat here and thought about <laughs> was I guess you guys were at Wanberry and the shadow dipping down Oh and no, that was that was that was a Logos farm. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, no, no. Okay, you're talking about the big mass where it was mimicking the sound down. of your son. Yeah. That. Oh, that was at your your farm. That's insane. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah. Well, we had been <laughs> I there multiple puke. times with with Rowan, and what we think was happening there is, uh, I'm because I'm a, a classically trained cook. I, I don't ever have leftovers. I always cook to the portion for the individuals that are there, and it's just habit. While, on the other hand, the rest of our family that goes there, they're there all the time. They cook like they're feeding 18 people when they're just feeding three. Right. And then they throw out the scraps. Oh. We weren't throwing out scraps, but there were vehicles there. So these things knew because there were vehicles there, then there would be food there. It's made the correlation at some point. So these things had been in close proximity when my son had been there and had been crying before. 
had heard it, learned it, been able to mimic it. That's my theory on that. Very possible. I feel like we're in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, just, they just yeah. emulated it. That's crazy. <laughs> that is so crazy. I've thought about this ever since you have said it, and I just, I wonder if in that moment it wants you to come back out because it's just as much, like I wonder if there's just as much an interest in you guys as there is, I wonder if it's reciprocated. I, like, think, hey, I think it is, man. Curiosity. Because um, I, I think there is a curiosity because there are times, there have been times, multiple times, we've been out in the woods and we've been looking for this thing and then we've, we start getting action we start getting responses and they they when we go to leave it's like hey no crack mm. yeah get back here yeah we're not yeah, done the, yeah. all the phenomena kind of does that yeah all it does. of it Oddly enough, the weird especially i'd say from a passive point of view you know you're not there uh i know i was watching something on investigation discovery maybe and they were doing a paranormal one and this guy was telling this story of how they were out by this campfire and something had come up and they had heard something like that, that hornet thing. And mm-hmm. they had run back to their home and it was a trailer and something was beaten on the trailer and they went out the next morning and something had tore the tin, mm-hmm. some of the tin off the trailer. Oh, wow. And this guy who's telling it is just, you can tell he's reliving it. As he's telling this story, yeah, and investigation visceral response and investigation discovery, like they're just it's kind of like, oh, look at this. This guy said he saw yeah. a big spooky thing, and they ran <laughs> yeah. home and they were afraid. But this guy's telling like it's almost like he's about to cry. He's sitting there traumatized. Yes, and traumatized like, this good stuff. <laughs> by this existence, you know. And well, yeah, because to them it's ratings. Oh, this yeah. guy, he lived through this night of terror. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, it changes you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it changes your paradigm. And uh, like I said, you you don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Ever. I mean, the flashlight story that I told you guys—that honestly has been something I've thought about every day <laughs> since it's happened, right? Yeah. Because since that moment, my life has not been the same. It has completely changed because I have now interacted with something that up until that point in my life I've never wanted to interact with and had had very minimal where I could write it off. You know, like the shoulder yeah. on my back. Like, oh, I'm thinking too much about it. It was just the wind. It was just this. It was just that. That was so undeniable. Like, I can't sit there and... As much as I've wanted to debunk it, like you guys have said, what could I do to debunk that? There's no conclusion I can come to other than there's something else at hand there. Yeah, there absolutely is. And that's the beautiful thing of what we do. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Wild and weird. That's like I've got chills just having this conversation with you guys because those moments that you guys have had over this long period of time is something that Justin and I are really starting to get into and experience. And it's just, it's crazy. It's so hey, crazy. You, know, you never know. Here soon, maybe we can get out there in the forest, get out there into a haunted location together. 
Hey, I was getting ready to. Yeah, it, hey, we got to meet up. I will be so afraid, uh, but it'll be great. I'll love it. No hey, great problem. Video. <laughs> I love we took. Uh, we'll bring you, know, you a big diaper. We took Thank one you. of the most scared persons into the woods, and now she's a field investigator and one of the best ones we've got. So I wouldn't one, say that. That's that's, awesome. that's the Wineberry story. Wow. Percent man. She had. Uh, she's a, a former or well, is a marine, and. Um, terrified after her encounter wouldn't let her kids go out and play wouldn't oh my all God. kinds of stuff man. It, wow. was, it was controlling her life and yeah she had hundreds and hundreds of acres of property that she just didn't look at didn't go to because this encounter she was terrified and after the experience and after we took her and walked her through it and said and showed her that you can go out here and there's ways to do this safely and now she, like Ron said, she is one of the best investigators in the team. She's she's yielded multiple casts now. She's, wow, she's uh, she's really going after it. Yeah, I, that's, that that sounds amazing. That yep, changed. Yeah. yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and where you're where you guys are located there in Giles, you're only I think like an hour away from the Wanbury site. An hour, hour and a half. Oh wow. Well. We have to make a trip. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Yeah, yeah. I would we'll love that. Together. That would be awesome, awesome, guys. That would be so cool. <laughs> Private tour. There yeah, <laughs> there we yeah. go. Well, guys, um, one last question is: Is there a goal you two are trying to achieve this year? Huh? Or is there any to big things up, coming? We're up? still trying to make up for twenty twenty. You'll have to forgive us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty. We yeah. had so much kind of the the wind out of our sails there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was just a year in general. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That year lasted ten years. Exactly. Is is there like a big project you guys are trying to always. work on? Always. Yep. There's always something always. new with us. We're always developing new merchandise. We're always making new new things people can buy. We're always making new things people can consume. Um, we are all, working more on the uh, on the YouTube this this uh, this year. We have invested, and we are working more on the YouTube this year. Uh, we're working on getting uh, more documentation of our Get more field investigations. Tell them out there on camera. So everyone can see we, that. Yeah, we go out a lot. We did a lot of stuff where we just were just there, we're, you know, in the moment. Doing I have I have tons of footage that's just sitting there. So I'm like, well, let's just put it together into these little shorts and make it. And and so we came up with a new series, and that's uh, the Wild and Weird Investigations. Uh, episode two should be out next week, hopefully. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just about trying to normalize this like yeah. I said I mean, everyone has these experiences every single person I guarantee you you ask anyone if they have not personally had an experience then someone they know or someone in their family has had an experience yeah, exactly. either they're all liars every single one of them uh, and the whole country the whole world is crazy or something is going on and we need to really step up and, and look at what that is and that's kind of what we're trying to do right. uh, and we're trying to start back here in our in our home state because it has some really great legends oh yeah and uh, you know we're trying to shine a positive spotlight on West Virginia and I think we're doing a pretty good job yeah, yeah. so yeah. For, for the goal thing I think what Ron said um, shine a more positive light here in West Virginia uh, grow the YouTube a little bit better get some more content out there for people to see and be involved in and then also provide um, 
provide a, a bigger question. We've done this consistently. Every year we've been, been doing what we do. We're providing a larger circle for people to come to in, in one way or another, whether it's through coming to events that we're hosting, come and listen to us on the radio and talking with your friends about it, um, come and just meeting us out on the road and come to the events that we're going to be at as well as the ones we're hosting. And, uh, yeah, I think just making the circle bigger and, and showing people how accessible this table really is. Um, and just keep, keep moving forward the way we already are. Yeah. I mean, there are people who come from Germany to see us. Yeah. Wow. I don't awesome. understand that. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. It just blows my mind. That's sick. <laughs> uh, so what can you guys plug for people that want to, you know, yeah, they're interested in you. Where can everybody find you? You yeah. know, what's the best way to reach you guys? Do your thing, Joe. <laughs> well, if you guys want to continue listening to our ramblings on and on and on, you can find us at Wild and Weird Radio anywhere podcasts are found. You can also head on over to YouTube where we put up documents and pictures and everything else that you're missing just in the audio only portion. You can just like, share, and subscribe there. Go ahead, just a single little motion of hitting that like button and hitting subscribe. Two easy actions that you can perform for both of these shows that have major consequences for us. <laughs> then, if you want to find us on the road, we've got a road show map that you can find over on wildandweirdwv.com. You can also find us anywhere you want to find us because the internet is right there at your fingertips. That's so true. if you have had a sighting and you would like to report it and you don't want to be in that uh, that group of hands that drops off, you can send your sighting report to wildandweirdwv at gmail.com or you can go to wildandweirdwv.com and hit the report of sightings tab, at which point you will be given our standardized sighting report form. You can go through and answer a few questions, and as soon as you press send, it's going to be delivered into our mailboxes. If you're on the other side of the world from us, fear not. Even though we can't make it there ourselves to be boots on the ground to investigate your happening, we know somebody in that area, most likely, who is, and we can get this report to them and get you the due diligence that you deserve to find out what happened and all that great stuff. That was flawless. Yeah. I can see Ron. He's just like, I knew it. I told him to go. He does his thing. It's that easy. He does this every week. I, I every week. That's, show up. that's Justin. I just say, hit it, Justin. I'm, Let I'm him know. nowhere near as good as that, though. Jesus. It's <laughs> well, the microphone. <laughs> Ron, <laughs> Ron, Joe, thank you so much. This has been awesome, yeah. for real. Absolutely, um, guys. This has been a blast. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Once we're done with this, I'd like to talk to you guys for a second after we're done recording. Okay, sure. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah um, thank you guys so much for being on. It's been an amazing conversation. It has. I, yeah. I've learned so much. I think you guys are really going to open up a lot of eyes. I really hope people will come forward to yeah. us on this episode, kind of tell us a little more about their experiences. Mm -hmm. One thing that I love about our podcast, especially where we're from, I think that we inform a lot of people on, you may have seen something, you just didn't know what you saw. Yeah. And this might be their eye opener to be like, oh my God, I saw a Bigfoot. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, whatever instance. Yeah. That's wow. What a conversation. That was awesome. Yeah. Definitely did not just wait five seconds between the intro <laughs> to now to do this. <laughs> it was very... It was a very overwhelming like conversation, so I'm gonna have to like listen to it again to oh, process yeah. all of what oh, they yeah. said because yeah. they're so they're... intelligent with this stuff. Yeah, like this is 
vetted. There's a group of individuals who are vetting this, denying, approving, Mm -hmm. you know, all these instances of uh, appearances, uh, reports, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, Really hoped everybody liked it. I really liked having the conversation. It was awesome, yeah. Yeah. And we hope to work with them in the future. Yeah, Joe and Ron, you guys are so dope. So dope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we thank you guys for being on, for real. We didn't think that it was going to happen, but... It did, and it was awesome. We felt like three episodes of true crime. You guys might want something a little different. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, go out. We did. To, try to find some professionals for you guys to listen to. Absolutely. Um, definitely check them out. You yes. know, their stuff is very, very good, especially if you want to learn more about like West Virginia lore, Absolutely. what they have, and the specific migrating patterns and the existence of their Bigfoot. The scientific method of yeah. their investigation. Yeah, what these guys have went through. Very, very meticulous and very, very thought-out process. Yeah. We will have all their information in the descriptions below of wherever you're, you know, turning into this episode. But yeah. um, thanks again for them, and uh, thanks for everybody for listening and watching. It was a good one. It was. Long Great, one. yeah. Yeah, really appreciate it. Still on Cloud Nine from the LA Times and all (laughs) that. Thanks, everybody, again for just supporting the podcast and doing what you're doing. We're at 975 members. (laughs) If we can get to 1,000, I would be elated. He's getting a tattoo. I am. I'm going to get a tattoo. Uh, I guess it's it's cryptic out there, tattoo. That's what I'm going to get. That's what I'm going to do. There you go. Yeah. All right. I want to get it regardless, but I'll just get it. (laughs) I'll get it sooner if we had a thousand. Right, right, right. <laughs> we will film it too. Yeah, we'll put it on the uh, the podcast. Also, uh, just want to give a very special shout out to my mom. Yes. Yeah, my mom had a recent health episode, a little cardiac event. Scared everybody. Yeah, scared the hell out of me. Right. Um, and just want to thank everybody who reached out and sent her well wishes. My mom's. I think one of the biggest supporters and the biggest fan of the show. Yeah, for real. Uh, has always been here, always hype about it. So, love you, Mom. We love you, Vicky. Yeah, love you. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to join the cult, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. You know, give us a five star on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, like and subscribe on YouTube and Patreon. Patreon, yeah. If you want, we to become, got a lot of bonus stuff, you know, cranking yeah, out. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, story about Mavis. Some yes. Scary dog stories. Yeah, uh, Julia tells me something insane about Mavis and a dead dog. Yeah. That you guys want to. You're uh, gonna want to check that out for just five dollars a month. That's it. And you will support us. You will support the show. You will help us grow, mm-hmm. and um, we would love you forever. Yeah, and. Justin, if that's it. All right. Lastly, everybody, watch your back. It's cryptic out there. <laughs>